you are listening to a podcast that will focus on one question. What the fuck is going on in Welcome to New Normal, a self-improvement podcast of sorts that I made to reflect my life as a work in progress. I am your host, Brian Newfang, and it is my mission to help some of my fellow human beings tune into a frequency of normalcy. Something that hopefully makes life feel like 10% better, maybe more on a good day. But who am I? Nobody. I'm just a dude, a guy. My pronouns are he, him, them, they, theirs. We are all in this together now. More and more of us cannot bear to stay in the old normal any longer. The narrative of normal is crumbling on a systemic level too. We live today in a moment of transition between worlds. The institutions that have borne us through the centuries have lost their vitality. Only with increasing self-delusion can we pretend that they are sustainable. Our systems of money, politics, energy, medicine, education, and more are no longer delivering the benefits they once did, or seem to. Their utopian promise, so inspiring a century ago, recedes further every year. Millions of us know this. More and more, we hardly bother to pretend otherwise. Yet we seem helpless to change, helpless even to stop participating in industrial civilization's rush over the cliff. What the fuck is going on in this goddamn Nobody really knows, so let's pretend to find out. I wanted to take a moment up top to thank you for spending some of those finite resources called your time and attention to listen to this podcast. It is my desire to learn, share, and grow through this process. And if I make something entertaining out of it, then I've played my cards right. If, on the other hand, I die of embarrassment or shame or make something that sucks and no one listens to, then I'm okay with that too. Or I will be, eventually, after I spiral into and out of my darkest places. But that's what this is for. So all bets are off. It's just me, this microphone, and some software I'm getting better (laughs) at using. If you're feeling this project so far, please let me know. Drop an email to newnormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's K-N-E-W, normalpodcast at gmail. Or if you have my phone number, text me. But for now, I chip away at it, learn, grow, and hopefully get better as I go. I love you. This week, we talk to my lifelong friend and mentor, Trish Debney. Trish is a sound healer, author, and recording artist. We'll go over all of the places you can find her and connect with her work in a bit, but first, a little exposition. I need to set up today's conversation with a story. Seattle, February, 1992. I was 15 years old and confined to the New Beginnings treatment facility for the second time in a year as an alternative to a regular sentence in a juvenile penitentiary. The fate of so many of my childhood friends was shaped over months and years in that system. I got lucky. I avoided being locked up for the most part thanks to an obvious substance abuse problem, and I chose to stay sober as a last resort to avoid a future of imprisonment. I was 15 when I met Trish. My impatient counselor, Lori, in her attempts to help me figure myself out, 
thought I might like to try out for the recovery theater company coming to perform for us. Coming to. To. T-W-O. That was the name of the group. Coming to was coming to perform for us. It was here that I watched five young people my own age at the time perform their own true stories of addiction and recovery in a 30-minute play that blew my mind. It was the first time in my life where I felt permission to be hopeful about sobriety. Up until then, my life felt predetermined. Guys like me end up like this. I had a story about my life at the time that assumed the worst was the norm. Everything was a game and I was a terrible player. A wannabe of so many things other than myself. The things that determined my adolescent identity were my worst attributes. I was great at lying, cheating, stealing, and lived on the currency of deception and manipulation. Enter Trish Devney. Just when I needed a nurturing figure in my life, too. An adult that had a life I could see myself living. She had just moved to Seattle from San Francisco to recreate her successful addiction education theater company. As fucked up as my life was at the time, her work allowed me to reach for something greater. Trish has a resonant presence. Over the years, her work has evolved from a rigorous spiritual theater camp to an internationally recognized healing modality that can transform one's health with the simple technology, the power of one's own voice. Trish's sound shifting and life scripting processes combine spiritual and scientific disciplines to create living art for social change. Her innovative approach is a method of prevention and education that has brought her to the national stage over and over again, making her one of the most dynamic and active teachers, healers, and recording artists who is frequently featured at spiritual music festivals and conferences nationwide. She is also the creator of Crystal Sound Energy Practitioner Training, which is a series you can attend with her in Tucson, Arizona. So now, It is my honor to present today's conversation with none other than world-class sound healer, Trish Devney. And we are recording. Yeah, so I was going to say, it's interesting to me because we've known each other for so long, so many years, decades even. And I was like, what kind of questions could I ask Trish? Things that I feel like I don't know or want to dive deeper into. And I've got a few, (laughs) Um, but uh, really my goal is to treat this like an open share and kind of talk about what it used to be like, what happened and what it's like now to pull a popular idiom from the 12-step world, but just just to guide us along on our journey. Well, and I also wanted to add, you know, to the questions, it's almost, they're almost um, not as important uh, in terms of how we relate from what we know about each other in the past, yeah, because we're different. I bring a whole different person to this conversation, even more. You know, I'm more different than a week ago. Yeah. I keep evolving. So, so I think there are have been many ways um, where I've uh, changed how I see the world or refine how I see the world or deepen the, the understanding of myself in the world. Mm. So that's the, you know, it's always fresh. It's always Mm. brand new. Well, I love that about you. And I love that 
as just a value for living to kind of feel the renewal every day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's an idea. So Trish Devney, not your original name. No, you're right. <laughs> so few know that, but uh, yeah, when I was right at the at a pivotal time in my life, I was getting a divorce and was I going to go back to my birth, you know, birth name and I didn't want to, what was I going to do? And I always wanted to, uh, my, my best friend who had passed away when we were both 16 had, um, had stayed with me and I've always had wanted to name my child after her. Well, my child was a boy, so it didn't seem to work. So I took that name as my last name. And then I had it worked out numerologically by a teacher that I, I um, have such, um, hmm, such honor for and respect for, um, especially since he doesn't see himself as, you know, a guru or anything like that, but just somebody who really <clears throat> is very wise. He did the numerology on this. And so the numbers, the names, the spelling, all of that was done with a, um, a, um, a signature of me in mine. So my name, my birth time, all of that had a had an influence in creating the energy signature that I put forth in the world. And he assured me that at the time, this opens up. There was a lot of um, obstructions in the way my name was spelled uh, originally. So we changed the spelling to Trish. And then adding Devney was a very positive thing, apparently. But then we had to add an H that balanced out something else. So he was working with all of that metaphysical on um, understanding of how energy is applied symbolically as signatures. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand that. I can't do that for somebody, (laughs) but I'm so glad I had it done. (laughs) Yeah. It's such an interesting take on, um, you know, the power of numerology, I guess, because I, I don't know anything yeah. about it. And well, it's, it's also the depth of signature, you know, mm-hmm. sacred geometry and numbers. And uh, there are, it's a very esoteric principle, mm-hmm. uh, one that I have not spent a lot of time diving into, but have used, uh, obviously, to great mm-hmm. effect in my life. It's sort of like a uh, guardrail or a, you know, sort of like a guidepost in terms of... No, not so much that. It's more the frequency. Mm-hmm. that ushers forth when I say my name or somebody says my name. Oh. And if my name is not spelled correctly by somebody, I have to, I can feel it in myself that I have to help them understand how it's, and it's weird. My spelling is weird. But the reason for that is, is um, one that is an energetic signature that if it's off, it doesn't carry the same force. I think that's a so beautiful... that, now, now we're getting deep in the weeds here. You know, I not know, everybody no, no. wants to go around and well, change and, their name spelling, but or their I, name. But I think it's a an, a beautiful entry point because you mentioned the frequency of your name, and it comes down to, from what I heard you say, is how somebody. It's like how somebody says it, or how it sounds when somebody says it. The frequency of your name. So the work that you do is very much um, in that vein because you teach people how to access frequency period in within themselves and how yes. they use their, their voice and how 
we generate frequencies through sound and how that affects us physically, whether it's in your sales, there's, there's science behind it, but it's also a very intuitive process. So let's, well, yeah. let's, dive, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dive into your work. Where did you grow up, Trish? Well, I grew up on the West Coast in Sacramento, California, born in Napa. So I'm a Northern California girl. Um, pretty, you know, typical middle-class life. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. My mother would sew stuff. So, you know, we had modern looking clothes, even though mom had to make them, you know, we didn't buy stuff. We were, you know, we had to make ends meet. So, um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it was really nothing, just a flatline suburban life. I went to a, um, a girls' school, uh, a Catholic girls' school, and I had, uh, I had a, I don't think it was that I, I didn't understand how to be a friend, really. So, you know, in your, in your early years of life, you start learning about friendship and about partnership and about arrangements and agreements. And so my first friend, Devney, the young woman whose name I have, was my first experience with loving another human being, just having that soul sister. Uh, and we shared so much and we laughed a lot. We did a lot of crazy things. And then she told me within about nine months of knowing her that she was dying of leukemia. And so my whole life seemed to have changed the day she died. And I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to her. And um, so my world was, even though I have, I'm an extroverted personality, it wasn't, uh, I was socialized to the groups. I wasn't, you know, a click person. I didn't line up with a little group of, you know, girls who had cars or girls who snuck out and had beer or girls who smoked. You know, I just was sort of everybody's sort of pal in a way. So that's why I was a class officer often. Class officer. What what mm -hmm. was that? So <laughs> was that, was, you know, was that the class vice president. I was oh, the okay. head of the of the sodality. It's a spiritual sort of club. Uh, mm -hmm. like boys in Catholic growing up are or men joined the Knights of Columbus. I joined the, I was the head of the sodality. So I was called the sodality prefect. And we had rules. It was really mm. sort of, I, I, I held the interface between the spiritual principles of Catholicism mm -hmm. and uh, values and morals and um, integrity. Uh, and we would do work, good works in the community. You know, so we would head up food programs for families in need and, you know, do school tutoring for kids who didn't have means or didn't, you know, understand. So things like that. I wanted to ask you about when Devney passed. Do you recall which ways specifically your life changed or what, how you dealt with that at such a young age and how it kind of shaped you going forward into the world and you know mm -hmm. the way that you began to interact because I you know when we we grow up we have these things that sort of set the tone or the the trajectory for our future relationships and what we yes. you know tend to gravitate towards or or shy away from as a result of 
the trauma or the experience that we had right. that rocked us emotionally? Well, I, I was, I was so um, at a loss and there were two conflicting emotions. One was anger and rage at my mother because she didn't allow me to go to the hospital to see her. And, um, and then the loss of this friend, this, this twin soul that I had such a rapport with and, and shared so much. Um, and I just, I felt like the, my, the bottom of my life fell out. I didn't know what to do. I'm sort of rudderless. Now, I think she was a stronger personality than I. And so I was able to bask in that and, and learn about, you know, sisterhood and friendship in, in that way. Um, I mean, she was just somebody I could, you know, we would just call and lay on the pillow at night and the, pill, the headphones or the ear, the receiver up to my ear. And we just talk and so my, my anger at my mother and then this other female presence, I had that sort of duality going on in my life. My mother was not my friend. My mother was uh, not a happy person. Um, and my, my life was, uh, was taking shape under, hmm, in her vision that was the plan is that i would become the girl or, uh, that my mother and father wanted uh and i think at that point with devony's passing there was a a light a somewhat of a rebellious light that was a private light that was lit in in my system so um and and you know i was not as um I wasn't as malleable after that. I had mm. some, some resistance and some, you know, didn't understand it as rage. You didn't dare have anger at your parents. You didn't talk back. I mean, those were absolute sins uh, against humanity. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> parents the were the higher authority and, you know, you know, so so I internalized a lot of that, which is why when it happened that I was in college, when I finally made it to college, I was um, that sort of inner rebellion started to um, to bloom, and I was, um, you know, I had a little bit of the pot, and definitely liked to drink, and um, I didn't like pot after a while because I would sing off key when, and I was singing in, in, a, in a band at the time. So, but my world opened up. This was a new world. I had been so constricted and so restrained and so good. I was a good girl. Mm -hmm. A good Catholic the, girl. A good Catholic girl, and I was the eldest, so I had to be the hero. But under the undercurrent was this, this churning, burning, on you know, energy that I didn't understand, and I had no way to quantify what that was. You know, was it sexual? Was it, um, you know, was it religion? Was it um, passion? I had no names. Nothing. When did you find? your and when or when did you start your involvement with the arts you mentioned singing in college so you had somehow between catholic school and college started to or maybe even younger 
get yeah 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 get that, trained to sing and or was that a church related thing well it, it was it started with the church because i absolutely love the sound of gregorian chant and i love singing uh certain religious latin at the time when i was growing up we were in latin so there was some magic to those t tones um but early on there was a oh i think i was nine years old and um, I was singing in a school play. They heard my voice and it was a big voice and it was on key, so they liked it. Mm -hmm. So they wanted me to be the lead in a little play called Ireland Forever. Uh, so I'll never forget. Um, so that was the first indication that I had, I had a, something that people liked. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then we were, my mom and dad really wanted us to be exposed to the arts. So we, they had community uh, series of tickets that would take us to a, 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 an opera or take us to a symphony or take us to a play. So we were exposed to the arts. So it was uh, a shock to me because I grew up learning ballet and you know enjoying the arts and and seeing how my parents really valued the arts so when i wanted to be an artist to as a vocalist uh they put their foot down <laughs> it was like you can't have a, a a full life as an artist you know artists are not and, and the takeaway was it's not a real profession you don't make real money you're irresponsible. You have nothing to count on, nothing to fall back on. So, um, you know, don't be an artist. So there were really conflicting messages about the arts, but still, um, you know, I pursued it. And at yeah. one point I uh, started, um, actually the pivotal moment was when I was in, um, I was in a, a, a drug raid. Um, in my freshman year high in college and i was just sitting there with you know a couple of other people and they were playing music and drawing on their faces and you know being hippies and uh, i was fascinated and uh, you know i had no place and no sense of self but i was just there being a rebel we hear a huge knock on the door the cops you know charge the door and arrest everybody in the room and in the inquiry this you know one policeman had come to me and said so what's your story and i said well i don't know he said you look familiar and i said well maybe you know me from the saint Philemon's choir and you know just all of a sudden batting my baby greens and thinking you know maybe i can maneuver my way out of this because it just did not look good Sure enough, I was one of two people that was left and everyone else got into the paddy wagon and was taken off to, to jail. So as I'm walking home to the dorm, I realized in that moment that I am going to go to Haight-Ashbury. I'm gonna to go to San Francisco and I'm gonna be a common rock singer. And that was how everything changed. So yeah, church choir to a drug raid in college lead to an epiphany after getting out of like sort of maneuvering out of custody by using this sense of the good girl in me. <laughs> yeah, my um, freckles just popped out on my face. Batted some eyelashes. So good. And you, I, you, my halo grew. <laughs> I just 
But you may have you may have heard you may have heard me sing, officer. You know, I understood manipulation because I had to manipulate things with my parents too. Mm. So, um, and I knew I could talk my way out of parents because I had you know parental units that you know would be stern and firm, and um, but then would relinquish and back off of their their threats. So. So I learned that, that that's, that there is a maneuvering you can do. Mm. <laughs> so I went to San Francisco clueless and, um, and the rest is, um, starts a new chapter in my history. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's the short version of that chapter? Well, you know, what I understand from, from the inner vision that I have today about what I do today and why the turns and signposts in my life for who I am and what I'm here to do. I had to gather experience. I had to um, begin to set in the frequencies of relatability uh, for uh, understanding people who do as I did, crawl through the underbelly of madness with alcohol and drug addiction, um, who, who suffered from um, sexual trauma, betrayal trauma, religious trauma. So those traumas were part of energy and information that I was gathering. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm doing today is working with sound and voice mm-hmm. and understanding what my, my gift is with that is that because I know of those experiences, I have a built-in compassion uh, and understanding and able to offer frequency that harmonizes that energy without saying a word, just by opening my voice. Now, I'd never talk about that because it sounds so bizarre, but it's the quality of my voice, the sound of my tones, that change the mitochondria in a cell. And that change can happen because I can relate to the frequencies somebody is holding when they're in a state of worry or fear or despair because I know depression. I know what it is to be raped. I know what it is to survive. I all of this. And then of course the ultimate, which was my physical uh, body uh, breaking down from hep C and uh, and cirrhosis. Yeah, so through that lived experience and then your coming out of it. So this goes on for, you know, however many years until you realize that you get sober and you have um, the ability to, without naming it yet, because I think you had a, I a, a, have a, a clue. yeah, a, a bit of a yeah. more journey that, that involved some, a lot of prayers <laughs> and some, you know, some hoping for the best to find out. And then where we met, you had been trying to, if I remember the story correctly, you had just gotten sober and had started to sense this thing about yourself where you, through bringing your lived experience and sharing it with other people and helping them sort of tap into uh, the ability to express their trauma, their resistance, their everything, holding them back in a sense um, from a physical place, helped them evolve, which helped you evolve and kind of carries you to this place now where it sounds like you have such a deep embodied sense 
that you know the way in which you speak has the overture or the, the sort of tonal effect when people receive the tones, the words, the frequencies that you offer, that there is, am I, am I getting that right? There's just you some, are, some, you some are. kind and of. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's new to hear it come back to me, be fed back to me because I never share this. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's why this is uh, so wonderful having somebody I know so well and trust so well um, to conduct this interview. Um, yeah, I think many people have asked, how did I know what I know? How did I come to know this? And I think my experience is both born out of lifetimes of experience, as well as a lifetime filled with unique experiences. Because along the way, I never suffered the kind of, of sustained trauma mm -hmm. from these events. I, it's almost like I could feel it record and then would move on. I could feel it download and then move on. It didn't, I didn't hold the, the fear and the, the trauma of, of a rape or of, you know, a near death experience or of abuse or, you know, I just didn't, it wasn't long-term for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think within me, I, I carried the capacity to convert and adjust and move forward based on what I'm here to do now. Mm -hmm. So that I have this experience that makes me so, so human. Um, and also the understanding of how I used sound and can use sound to reformat all the, the, the biodynamics of one's experience on this planet. Mm. This is some really, really deep, 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 deep stuff. The reformatting or the, um, you know, it was like, it, it makes me think that your initial attraction to artistic expression allowed you the insight to transmute or repattern without, you know, knowing what that meant necessarily, but it gave you permission to take that traumatic lived experience and find a new outlet. And then when you discovered later on that you can teach people to do the same, I think uh, it sounds like the, the work has, has, is continuously and it still continues to evolve because your mm -hmm. understanding of your, yourself and of course- Of our potential. Of our potential, right? And, and, and the related, the relationship that you establish with clients or whomever it is that you're working with and seeing the lights come on for them and recognition of uh, the ability to transmute, transcend, or to, um, I guess the other word I, I like is metabolize the trauma mm -hmm. so that they mm -hmm. can start to- Great word integrate themselves back into their bodies right. and their, their own lives. Right. But the, the secret in the sauce mm -hmm. is vibration. So it's not the intellect that has developed a conceptual understanding of an issue, but it is in fact the energetics of the issue mm -hmm. that you were holding. And sound is able to override and etch new neural networks that change 
the biochemistry through the body. And so we have very real physical changes that go on um, that I, because of my experience and my research, I can see what's happening. The cranial nerves are all being uh, reset. Uh, immune system is being boosted because through the vagal tone, the vagus nerve. So all of that is our biology. And then you start looking at the deeper layers in the, in the, uh, of the subtle body or the light body or the plasmic body, whatever you want to call that, where the harmonics of this energy are stored. So that's why I teach people to use a voice that is as open as they possibly can make it. You know, often I see people make sound like uh, it's just a slit in their face. Meh, mm -hmm. or ah, uh, there's nothing, there's no, no vitality there. There's no uh, overtone capacity there. So to open the voice and really have it matter is ah. Uh, so you have nice, big, round, full sound. That is the overtone changing the neural network. So all of our biology is so complex that we would, we're going to spend eons trying to understand it and develop uh, instruments to try to read it and assess it and manage and control it. When we are already carrying the, in, uh, the dynamics that can shift any condition in our lives, mm. but it's predicated on our awareness. We have to first become aware that we have this power. Then we start to have an experience of this power. And now we start to move into knowledge and ultimately through at some point in our conscious expansion through many lives, we have wisdom. Mm. So what came back to me is that I must have lived in so many iterations of sound that I have, I've been able to, to, parse and suss out and understand at a very simple level what goes on uh, and what made me well in four months mm. um because i was supposed to die yeah do you, so, do you want do you want to speak to that just briefly for for sure. context you your work shifted when you got diagnosed with hepatitis c and were given a life deadline Right. which you'd refuse to accept. Yeah, I had been at first, nobody understood what it was. So we didn't think, I didn't think, I thought it was just a flu and it would pass. Maybe I would take a little bit of ampicillin or something. Uh, and then I found out that no, this is pretty serious. And so I opted to not do the interferon because it was a test anyway. They weren't, this was the offering. Uh, that they thought could combat hepatitis. So I just st stuck with all natural modalities, acupuncture, reflexology. And all the while, uh, my viral load kept increasing and spiking, getting higher and higher and higher, which meant that the virus was mutating faster and faster. Little did I understand virus at that point. I didn't mm. understand that it was killing me. It was actually killing the junk in me because I was in a healing crisis. It was actually exponentially increasing the viral load for, a, a, you know, for another reason. 
So my doctors left a message on my answering machine um, with regrets. They said, you know, we've exhausted all possible treatment options. We're terribly sorry. Uh, your viral load is spiking in the millions. Uh, and we suggest you get your affairs in order. We're terribly sorry. And uh, mm. I laughed. And this was on my answering machine, by the way. So that was, uh, so then I called Tim wow, in, my husband, and said, check this out. And we both were scratching our heads and sort of laughing. It's like, this, this guy has the wrong, the wrong information. So I got another doctor and he decided to put me on interferon, a newer version. So at that point, I let go. And I remember the moment sitting in his, across from him, giving us the bad news, good news, that we're going to try this. You're at a stage where, you know, we're, we've got to try something. And I just let go, not knowing then until I looked back that I had entered a state of non-resistance. And that state of non-resistance made it possible for everything that happened after that to fall into place within four months so that I was completely well within four months. And it was that non-resistance that that sort of helped me or allowed me to listen to my instincts and follow my little the little inner dreamer that brought me to the gem show that turned the left instead of right and walked into a tent and saw a bowl and all of these synchronicities and, and magic coincidences all fell into place and so now you know i realize that resistance being in a state of non-resistance is the penultimate you to, for healing to start you move into that state but i didn't understand that conceptually it was an abstraction for me what is resistance <laughs> well I, that's a great question I, I think a lot of people struggle with the definitions of these terms that get flung around um you know when you are seeking answers and looking for self-help uh or you know uh, alternative modalities to understand what what answers you're not getting from the experts that were you know sort of taught and and conditioned and sort of socialized to consult and and expect you know the answers but I think for a lot of people in this day and age especially there's a an intuitive knowing that something there's something more out there. There's something that I'm not being told. There's something, there's a greater wisdom in my body and how do I access it? And through trial and error, it sounds like, but you know, you have to surrender in that state of, you know, what does that mean? Surrender, non-resistance. It shows up for everybody in different ways, right? Well, yes and uh, yes and yes. Yes and yes. And, and then a, a dosed with a little no. Mm -hmm. um, because everybody will make different discoveries about where they hold resistance, but it really is a letting go, as you said, it's, but it's more of a release of a need to engage or the need to control Yes. or the need to have an expected outcome. So when I re went into a state of non-resistance, I stopped wanting to either live or die. I, that was off the table. I realized that doesn't even matter. What matters is this moment. 
Now, I didn't understand the, the extraordinary experience of presence at that point, but that's what I was in. I was so connected to now that be, through non-resistance, that the past didn't exist, the future didn't exist, and the present as time stamp didn't exist. I was in a state of presence, which meant I was in a state of being. And that state of being allowed me to just slurp off of the, the, the juice of source energy. And <laughs> I, I became an absolute reflection of source. Ooh, that is juicy to use, to use your word. <laughs> I, 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 like the, I like the metaphor slurping off the juice of source. I have a quote from your first book called sound shifting and i think mm -hmm. i read this too when we talked before but to the effect of surrender it uh, goes on to say to release or let go really means to not engage it is an activity of consciously choosing non-action right which goes against our it's counterintuitive human brain yeah that is a, it resonates so deeply and it is counterintuitive my my rational mind looks at that and goes actively choosing <laughs> non-action yeah it's a paradox yeah. it's like remember to go back into our days of of working together with you as a young actor mm -hmm. we would do the exercise of um the plastiques and opposing tensions mm -hmm. Well, the body, in order to do that exercise, has to be so completely released while at the same time holding an opposing tension in a shoulder or in a wrist or any joint that you are waking up. Well, there are several things going on. You're getting the fluids moving through that joint biologically. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is you're unlocking the emotional memory that's also caught in that part of your body. So you learn a very advanced a way of, of how to work with non-resistance uh, through tension. So it is the act of engaging and not engaging. So that simultaneously, you let go of your butt, you let go of your jaw, while at the same time holding presence mm -hmm. in, a, you know, you know, you're upright and you're so released. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to you, too, about this notion of presence, which you just so eloquently described, even before the, my last question. Um, I'm listening to an Eckhart Tolle speech about becoming a teacher of presence. And I'd love to explore with you the, what, what sounds like the physical correlate to somebody who can't and how somebody might be able to experience their own presence through releasing tension or how that might show up for somebody yeah. that i know um this may be perceived as overly simplistic mm -hmm. yet sound <laughs> is the mana that allows this to happen and it starts with a soft jaw when you let the jaw go all your neck tendons tissues release your shoulders drop you find that your body readjusts your sphincter in your gut 
starts to relax, your stomach drops, your diaphragm drops, and your, your anus sphincter also opens and softens, and your jaw is softer still. Keep doing that, and then allow a sound. Ah, an arc of a, of a, a vocal sound. Ah. In that moment, you have just allowed the body to release residual tension. But there's more. So you just keep softening, keep softening the jaw. It's really centered around the jaw and the tongue, believe it or not. All of our issues, all of our digestive issues, all of our, you know, challenges that we face are all set in the in the jaw and the and the, and the mouth is which that, is why the mouth is so critical in voicing you know we're holding so much tension here that the purity of tone and the capacity for tone is is almost thwarted because this is the last ditch effort to not let whatever that big thing is come out my yeah. anger, my love, my longing, my passion, that idea that is so crazy, they're gonna laugh at me, my fear, my betrayal, all of that yeah. is what we have stuffed, swallowed, dismissed, and diminished all on our own, all on our own. We may have had help from a parent or a teacher or a, a religious leader or a friend, but we have sustained that pattern. So that's going to take some layering, letting go of, of that. And as a practice, just letting your jaw go and letting your tummy drop, your tongue soften, let your sphincter open. Now you're in a state of presence. And you can feel how your, the sensory capacity, the somatic awareness increases. Mm -hmm. Your body is, you can feel the hair follicles on your, on your skin. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing, and I you know I feel fortunate to have been given uh, insight to that awareness at such a young age, training to be an actor, wanting to get my version of rock stardom and, and sort of change <laughs> my life at the time. But I feel, in a way, I have been trying to make sense of it for my adult life, and and really now as the world turns so rapidly things evolve so quickly information exchanges uh minds so so at such a speed but i see now not only the value of it but i see it cropping up everywhere and people are really starting to recognize this on so many different levels mm. um and it's it's i feel like it's crucial for us to start to wake up to the awareness of that presence within us. And it's really as simple as you say. And, and maybe one of the, the things, like I've been through years of talk therapy, but nothing has come close to helping me move through places of emotional stuckness, for lack of mm, a better term. Congestion. Than, than yeah. just uh, gesturing with my body or letting uh, an incomprehensible sound override the logical languagey part that would try to articulate something that I am feeling rather than it just being the yes. sound and the the raw yes. uh, 
goo or whatever, like yeah. eh, that, you know, whatever it is and helping move past that so that then my logical mind can kick in and start to make sense of the feeling once I've given my body permission to express it and not hold on to it. Right, right. Then the quality of your expression is different. It changes. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about the, the state of presence. It's not about achieving presence. Yeah, because it's not, <laughs> it's there's not nothing to achieve. It's about it and thinking it's, it. And it's already you can't there. do that. The brain is not, doesn't have the bandwidth to operate at that high level. The, the, the part of us that is a supreme, superior, highly advanced technology is our physical body. Yes. The brain is a handmaiden. It's there to keep us upright, to keep us you know, properly moving and turning our head and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so we brain. have to teach the brain that it's okay to disengage this to allow the heart to have a greater sway over over you know one's expression and that's where that's where we are right now we're in that that i, I think there's been a great analogy that the the throat is the center between the the brain and the heart you know it's that that's the bridge so when we speak our sound if we are working with sound the quality of our language and the quality of our voices become prayers and everything you speak is a prayer. Everything is so filled with life and potential because you're conscious of that. So there is no need to speak just to fill space, which was one of my bad habits. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, There's nothing, you know, and I would also marvel at how people could just sit there and be in a room without having to fill space. I've learned, <clears throat> pardon me, how to do that now, but it took me many years to do that, to just let go and allow the moment to just be. It's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. <laughs> right. and, and sometimes, you know, do depending something. on the time. That it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Say> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. That, that reminds me of something that I just wrote down um, where I read something where it says wake the waking state of normal consciousness is unfocused distraction is what we crave and we are not we are not focused we are overstimulated and we are addicted to that, to that. way of oh, that mode great. of that mode of being is our yeah. default that the distractedness is what we tend to call normal right that's, but that's not the optimal or even the ideal for for a free flowing energetic health right like or, or for a creative life or a creative life whatever your your profession yeah i mean whether you're an accountant or a painter you know creative life is that you're always at the next edge of version of yourself you're always growing you're always changing. You're always gaining new insights. Mm -hmm. And it can come at the supermarket in a checkout line. It could come at the car wash. Or it could come, you know, you're reading a paragraph over and over and over. And finally, it dawns on you that what you're really reading is spiritual food. 
you know, but you didn't know that because it's in a mystery novel or something like that. Right. So it's all of these, that, that's what happens with sound. When you start to work with sound every day and in so many myriad of ways, do you have these extraordinary improbable coincidences and, and miracles that one might say and events that have no, no reason for being. Mm. And yet here they are, like the time I fell and hurt myself on a tr remote trail in the high Arizona desert. And there are two paramedics walking up, you know, and that story unfolds with a series of synchronicities that are mind, mind blowing, mind blowing, self healing in whatever way you describe healing, you know, whether it's emotional um, physical or moving into resonance with abundance, etc. All of that is a, is a matter of healing. That it's uh, possible for everyone at any time. It's a, it's a personal choice. And what I'm giving them is a tool, the most unbelievably simple, powerful tool that will change their world. And the tool is what I discovered that made it possible for me to get well. But then there are some ancillary uh, support tools, you know. So I'm making sound, but are all, is all sound the same? Well, no. Are all voices the same? Well, no. But every voice is supposed to be its own unique quality. So how do you come into your own voice? You breathe deep, you open your mouth wide, and out comes your voice free of your uh, constriction, free of your habits of thinking, etc. So I go into those layers of how critical that is for you to look at your language and your self-talk and to recognize that that's part of how you disengage from your power. And it's real power. We have such power. I think it would blow your ever-loving mind to know how much power you're sitting on that sits right here. It's phenomenal. The power from within that exits it's, through your it's mouth. It's the mouth. It's the sound. Yeah, it's the sound. It's the quality of the sound. And uh, as you open, ah, you are opening the whole of your being, mm. exposing it, in my case, you know, that which is no longer in alignment with the truth, the source, and moving back into a state of alignment with that, you know, like I said, slurping off that energy mm -hmm. is, is, is what I'm doing. I'm actually becoming a reflection of source. When I go into that state of non-resistance, I'm connected and reflecting source energy. And to be connected to source energy isn't like plugging into God or a deity, but instead that aspect that is universal and infinite within you. Mm. So before, as I was growing, changing, stretching, and learning and knowing, I, I didn't understand all of these concepts. They were way bigger than my brain could comprehend until I started to work with sound, mm -hmm. which made it possible for me to increase my bandwidth of understanding. It, start, it awakens the information in the cells. So if I'm stressed, my cells can't talk to one another. There's no intercellular fluid. There are no neurons 
There are no synapses building. There is nothing going on. Everybody is underwater. <laughs> Shut down. So sound opens that up and all of a sudden you have more space in your body. You have more room to think. You have more creative juice coming in. But then you can attack it by saying, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't do that. And then you fall back into that old space. Well, in the book, I say, yeah, that's okay. We fall back and forth all the time. The idea is that you recognize you are the power to change the world. And if we want to change the world, this pause, this pandemic pause, this gift from the universe is calling forth our capacity to remember who we are, what our bodies never forgot. Yes, I, I love that so much. And I even, I, I taught a workshop yesterday in which I said, I'm not teaching you anything you don't already know. I'm right. helping you remember. Yes. And um, you, your work to me speaks to a couple of key things that I think are being championed by a, a lot of people today, which I think there's not enough of. And I, um, mm -hmm. I'd like to mm -hmm. add to that conversation is the, the principle of, embodiment and uh, you know recognizing your power and you know because you talk about sound and there's sort of the abstraction of expansion and all this but there really is a physical and a physiological component to you know massaging your nervous system with the vibrations of sound that come from your chest and your deep breaths actually do move oxygen blood and uh what i would that's what i would call energy like right through your organs and helping you mm -hmm feel into yourself and sense yourself differently than before. So you can use sound and breath and all of these technologies, which isn't really, it's like, if there is a God, then that's God's technology is what we are <laughs> in some sense. And you can use that to change your state, assert your power and grow in a sense of confidence that you do have the ability to uh, pull yourself up out of the dumps or the whatever well, whatever is holding you back whatever's causing right right it's like when you look at for instance uh, trauma you know whether it's physical trauma or betrayal trauma or whatever are you going to be defined by that trauma which science can tell us our brains get wired hardwired and we have these triggers that perpetually you know have us stumbling and falling into that greased pit mm -hmm. what sound does is stimulate all the cranial nerves stimulates vagal tone allows your body to reset itself so that you are overriding that program scrambling that those trauma triggers so the body resets itself. The body knows how to do this. We don't know how to track all the ways the body knows how to do these things. We've, we're just beginning. We're like at kindergarten in terms of science, but the body has that capacity. So what I discovered in my research is that by making a simple tone, ah, I'm going all the way to the end of my breath, I am one, energizing the breath two i'm getting more oxygen moving through my body so i'm oxygenating my brain my lymph system i'm waking up the cells 
I'm stimulating vagal tone, which is activating and regulating the parasympathetic, which is telling me to chill, to relax, to slow down, boosting immune function, releasing hormones as needed, and telling the body that we're okay. One sound. Yeah. Do that several times a day, and you start to have a good day. At your will, in a sense. You, yeah, your choice. You're choosing, yeah. You're it, it, choosing and you're saying, you know, it's like the time I was on a call that was not going well and he was called off the call at one point. I, in an instinct and in a moment, I made this the throat chakra sound, the primordial tones. Ooh, I had about that much time. That tone, did it change him? Did it, you know, make him be a better person in the moment? No, no. It changed the dial that I was on energetically. It changed the focus so that I no longer was in a state of worry of having a failed call. And, uh, but it, it put me back into the flow of what, is, what will happen if I allow it, which was a win-win. Mm-hmm. Now, people can't quantify that. There is no measurement that says, wait a minute. You didn't change that guy's thought. You didn't hand him a winning lottery ticket, did you? You didn't. No, there was nothing of the physical world or a physical law that would have made that happen. This was a metaphysical law. That's mm. where we're standing. Um, the metaphysical law where you didn't assert any influence into the situation. You only added. Uh, Changed my energy what, output. What you can control. Yeah. I changed my energy output, which meant I aligned with an energy that was life-giving for both of us. So my fear will create a toxic environment. My fear can make other people afraid. I mean, I I remember times in in rehearsal and kids would say, you're scary, you're big, you know, and then Nate one day giving me a shoulder massage and saying, you're not that big. (laughs) <laughs> kind of tiny, <laughs> you know, but it's the, the fear that I would project my worry for you. I mean, I have, I had to, you, your, your, the working with all of those young people was part of my evolutionary journey of learning about myself. Absolutely. And I could say quite selfishly, that's why I did it. You know, were there positive byproducts? Absolutely. Do kids get sober? Yeah. Did, you know, most of you stay sober? I could say so. Is the quality of life different for you? Yeah, but you're not my business. It's my life. Mm -hmm. That's my business. So what you do with information is is yours to, to, to work with. So when I, in that moment with that gentleman on the call, changed my output, I changed my receptivity. I became available to a more harmonious experience. My mind goes in so many places during these conversations. I, <laughs> I, I do, I owe the quality of my life a great deal of, to the, the work that I learned and how that, and how I experimented and applied it to different uh, mm-hmm. aspects of my life. Neat, neat. I, I, I kind of, there's a part of me that wants to sort of track back into our conversation because we were talking about how this sort of oversimplified technology that as actually something that is been practiced in various versions of human civilization over years and sort of 
uh, has roots in, uh, you know, shamanism and other, other aspects, but to bring it forward to today and how it's sort of been conditioned out of us to look to ourselves for answers. And I think what's important to me in, in having this conversation with you and anybody who would listen to this is to um, really sort of open the mind to the possibility that the, the answers really do come from within and a way to get that it doesn't require tr like achieving anything necessarily through practice and meditation, but more of a, a realizing that it's already there and then softening to allow how to activate and receive that. it and how to activate it. Sure. Or, uh, as I like to say, allow it. And, oh. and that was one of those buzzwords as I was growing through my spiritual path. What did allowing mean? I didn't understand that. I'll allow the dog in the house. I can allow that. You know, yeah, what I does can it mean? allow, you know. So it's that same thing that we were talking about non engagement, it's non resistance. It's a state where you are no longer perceiving that you are the be all and end all of the outcome. That when you let go, it comes. It happens. How could you explain how someone with a viral load in the multiple of millions and stage four liver disease eradicates, wipes out the disease state, gets rid of this menace mutating in my body, mm. and within four months, non-resistance. Like it happened, it almost, it happened for you so that you could uh, wake up to the well, I think that's why my, that's my journey here is to 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 be able to talk about this version of healing with sound to my experience because my book is you know is more of my story through you know all of the ways and the things that I had learned and discovered about myself where I was holding patterns of misalignment and where I was lying to myself and and uh how i i was thinking small too small which is not my design i'm designed to be a, this you know force of nature this light as are you as are all of us so when we start to work with sound we can fall into the frequency of what our true design is i'm gonna write that down fall into the frequency of your true design um, so, and that's contained in every cell of your body. So when your cell is weakened through stress, it means you're also cutting off your connection to yourself and connection to, you know, source. And you think you're the one in control and you're the one doing the job hunting and you're the one that's earning the money and you're the one that's forgetting that you have it all. You have it all. And the dial that you get to change is one that is a life journey that says, I can accept wealth. You know, early on in my, my world with bowls, I couldn't afford it. So I split the cost with a friend and bought the bowl. Then at the end of when I and actually bought her out, I realized through playing that I had 
been peeling away my fear of, of having money and deserving. Mm-hmm. It was a story. And uh, so I just said out loud to the universe, I, I thank you. If these bowls are supposed to be in my life, it's up to you to, to make it happen. Okay, guys, you got that? That's it. Today I have access to thousands of bowls. So many bowls. I own a few, but I have the abundance. So I gave up what the abundance in my mind, which was really limited, looked like and allowed myself to receive this one thing I asked for. It's like asking for a car. I got a car. I didn't get the car I asked for. I got the car that was right for me. The car that was right for me was going to be able to take four kids and a set around San Francisco Bay Area. I wanted a Carmen Ghia. That was not going to work. But somebody donated that car to me. Yeah. The beauty of working with sound is the lack of necessity. Like it doesn't require you to believe in yeah. any one thing or define source mm-hmm. that's another word that it's like ah, da, 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 oh da, that's da. great yeah but yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't require you to believe in uh the source as a specific or certain thing right um, right which, which makes it so accessible to anybody seeking change right exactly i like that thought so important yeah tris so let's let's dive into the the bowl conversation since you brought it up you uh part of your story is like sort of serendipitously falling into these crystal bowls you uh encountered at a gem show and that became uh another pivotal time which has defined your life and how you make a living and how you and what you're bringing to the world at this very moment exactly i mean there are so many layers to what those bowls did um the first, as I was just explaining, started to peel away the energy of, of lack. That was so much a part of my life. Um, but it, it didn't stop there. There were layer upon layer of energies that uh, I, I, I could say might have still shifted mm-hmm. had, I didn't, had, had I not found sound in these bowls. Uh, but it was expedited. Um, and, uh, and the quality of my experience was so much better. I am of the belief that the crystal bowls, and I think when I feel into the communication with the bowls, I'm, I'm there, they corroborate my, my belief or my understanding that they're not the thing that's doing the healing. They're creating the conditions for each listener to expand into their own capacity to let go and and connect Mm -hmm. to source to let go and connect to their power to alter and change their physical health the bowls don't do it the bowls simply create the conditions for you to remember what you were talking about Mm -hmm. so that your mind can remember what your body has not ever forgotten so it's really the bowl what the bowls do pardon me is create greater uh, opening and, and, and spaciousness and allows the body to relax and deepen into that knowing. Now, most people don't see it as a knowing when they relax. They're just letting go. 
and they're feeling softer and they're feeling better and they don't understand it. There's no language for it. I can see what's happening. The sound is changing the vibratory structure of their physical form. But they don't have to know that. It's like you just said about sound. You don't have to know and understand how sound works to have it affect you. Right, to, to, to benefit from it. And there's no denying anytime you hear the bowl tones, uh, or at least I, there's no denying anytime I've heard the bowl tones without knowing anything about them or what they were. Right. It is such a soothing sound. Yes. And knowing what I know, it's, it's really interesting to me when you, when you talk about the language of the bowls being sound like language came out of our ability to make sound as a pre-evolutionary, um, you know, uh, whatever it is that, that, yeah. we, that we evolved from. Sound became before words. Words are kind of now a distraction because they're, the meanings are reductive and, you know, like sort of uh, used against us in some ways when we're being talked to. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're going to own our own healing, if we're going to own, um, and have agency, uh, in our own journey, I, yeah, I think playing with sound and just letting yourself go, surrendering to the, uh, the primitive type right. nature that it is, it's, right. it's something. Well, and it's a letting go into the mystery. Yeah. You don't get to know in a mystery. It's a mystery. So the cognitive brain has to sit on the edge of the pond. You're the one that gets to dive in. And the cognitive thinking you just sort of sits there and waits. It'll be there. But you've taken the dive. You're going deep. And you are gathering information from the deep. And you're remembering. Yeah. So you really do know how to breathe underwater. You didn't know that until you got there. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, you really do know how to heal. You didn't know until you relaxed into that. Now, do, do all people have that experience? No. No, because they're on their unique journey. If their disease state has been something that they've habituated and created over a long period of time, it may, it may be their journey to work through that disease state. So the disease state will, will be there. They just find their spiritual, their, their, their healing occurs at a spiritual level. I used to see it in San Francisco with um, men who had AIDS and how they would move into this place of absolute understanding of what was going on. And so they were able to die without negativity and die without resistance and fear because they got it. They got that this was part of their journey. It wasn't something to be afraid of or something they contracted because they were gay or they were, you know, somehow part of some Calvinistic, you know, God who slays the damned and raises the, the good people. No, none of that's going on. Every one of us has a unique journey, so there's no comparison. That's the other piece I try to underscore in, in the book is the uniqueness of each individual journey and to listen to your own body's wisdom. Where does that process begin, do you think, for somebody without any vocabulary around, for example, somebody 
just stumbles across this conversation and it sounds interesting. They have no real intention to even, you know, self-heal or whatever it would, would be, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that they could or would. would. And then the idea enters their awareness and where would you suggest somebody start that journey of, I don't know, curiosity or, or mm -hmm. I mean, certainly they, they could go to your website and do all that fun well, stuff. Well, all that stuff. Right. Right. I think at the very, very beginning, the first um, thing to look at is just, are they, are they, um, how do they talk to themselves? You know, what is their internal language? Are they grumpy? Because, you know, the grumpier we are, the more constricted the cells are. So that's one of the early starters that we can do is start to look at language. Then the other one is just making sound, just making a sigh or starting to hum. You don't have, to, as you said, you don't have to understand what sound is doing to have it do stuff. You don't have to understand all the biology involved. Just make a choice to ah uh, or hum. Mm -hmm. That will start to awaken in you a desire to do more. It's that simple, really just and yeah like you said it, it sounds overly simplistic and i would agree with you 100 percent. just start doing it and once you start doing it you realize that there's more to you than you yes. probably realize it's it parallels well the work that i've been doing with breath work recently yes, right. and in the last couple of years because when you try to drop this idea into somebody's head they're going to do this weird thing that doesn't make sense to the logical part of them you just have to do it. You just have to f just let go, listen to the song, and do your best to take these big, deep breaths in this specific way. 20 minutes later, they've reached a sort they of have an experience. A zero point. Yeah, they have an experience that shocks and rocks them. And thank you. Or I need to, this is something that I've been, you know, I unearthed a thought yes. or a feeling that yes. I've been bare. It was just, it's just such interestingly magical work yeah. I, I can't I, yeah. magic doesn't it even, is it yeah. is and i would say because you've been doing work with sound and you think like this you're also attracting a client base who are going to be drawn to your energy and for whom your energy is going to be the tincture like because that. that's how it works you're all going to we move into flow with what matches our energy field so what I'm doing in my book is really helping people understand how we either sabotage ourselves, mm -hmm. subvert ourselves, or how we develop mastery. And developing mastery isn't about getting a master's degree. Hmm. <laughs> how do you how do you define how are you defining mastery? You're you're awakened to your own gifts, and you know how to apply what you've gathered. You you're you are able to take a piece of information, have an experience with it, have some awareness and experience, then you've got some knowledge. You know, I know how to tie my shoe now. I don't have to sit and struggle with it. But early on, that was a real, I had to get wired up to do that as a little girl. Or hot, fire is hot. You know, until you touch something that's hot, you don't think about it. You get the concept don't touch fire yeah but uh, so you have an experience that registers knowledge 
So now that's in your consciousness. That, that is in your cells. You get that. And then at some point, you raise that knowledge level to a level of awareness and I mean, uh, wisdom, which is what is coming through now when, because I've been working with sound, I'm drawing from lifetimes of, of experiences mm -hmm. that is able to delineate and disseminate this information into a language that we can understand. And I would venture to say that it is a language for transformation or it is the language of transformation because you are going from one state of either not knowing to knowing, uh, wisdom to mastery, um, you know, non-awareness to awareness, but the whole modality is a transformational technology. Would you say? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, at, at, a, at a practical level. Yeah, and when people yeah. learn this, are, do you anecdotally, are you able to speak to um, a client without naming, of course, but some, some transformation that you've witnessed in your, you, you know, the last few years of really um, championing this work through the research, which, yeah, actually that's a, that's a side note. But yeah, do you have stories, stories or a story about, that you would well, like to share? Well, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, our tendency as human beings is to want the, the big bang, the gross change, <clears throat> like in my case, in four months, I was completely cured. Um, most everybody are not me. So I had my level of application of information brought me to a really quick result. So that's an individual thing. Most people uh, will have um, conditions in their body start to change, that they've stopped feeling worried, or they recognize that they have a tool that will, um, that will, when they get worried, they can go to this place and go or listen to this music or, so they're, they're developing healthier choices. And I recognize and do not compare myself to others because um, mine is a singular journey. But as I write about it, so is yours. You know, everybody's journey is going to be different. What you need to learn is going to start making itself known to you. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have had changes in one woman early on, she was, uh, we were doing the primordial tones in a group and she started, I watched her get really agitated and then she ran out of the room. Cause at the beginning I say, you know, if you're at all threatened or, or uncomfortable, leave, you know, take care of yourself. <clears throat> so she did, she ran out of the room. We were doing the root chakra of mm. all things, which is a very deep visceral sound. And um, she came back in later and said, you know, I want to apologize. That sound woke up something in me that I didn't know was going on. And I recognize what it is now. And, you know, so she started to be able to address it. And she said, I've been so afraid of this energy. And not only am I not afraid of it, I can talk about it now. So it was just a great big mass of fear around an experience she had had. So I get countless numbers of those right. people who, one gal's in a wheelchair sitting in the back of the room, we were toning the tone of awe. And she came up to after me and she said, I came with full body pain. I'm leaving with 50% diminished pain just from doing that sound. 
Wow. Or a gentleman who had vertigo comes up to me after I do a sound meditation with the bowls and vocalizing. And he walks up to me. It's no big deal. Uh, people walk up to me all the time. But he said, you probably don't think much of this. But he said, I have to have an assistant to help me walk because I have such severe vertigo. But whatever you did, young lady, whatever happened here, I don't have any vertigo. So I wanted to walk up to tell you that. Ooh. So that's just one of hundreds of thousands of stories I haven't even heard. Mm. You know, some people will write to me and let me know that they've been doing the, the primordial tones uh, daily in their car and their mm. life has been completely transformed. They couldn't think of doing it a day without it. Um, one woman early on was started doing the tones and then she started to look at her husband in a different way and started to realize that he was addicted to porn. And she said, those tones helped me crawl out of my denial and face this. And I don't know if they got divorced or whatever, but, but they got to address that issue. So, you know, it's becoming aware of how you relate to the world around you. So becoming aware of how you relate to the world around you is your personal growth. It's not like you're going to become the president of the Kiwanis Club or you're going to, you know, marry uh, some raging rock star and live happily ever. That's, that's all fantasy. That's great. That's, that's not what we're asking for. I want to meet the person who's fantasizing about being the president of the Kiwanis Club. <laughs> really oh, no. Where did that come Where from? did that? Um, yeah, no, Trish, I, this is perfect. I have been doing more tones lately. I, I did a, I did a sort of scale before our call and um, it's, it really is a way for anybody to drop in to the, the present moment and, and anecdotally somebody who has a, has an unconscious thing and then just by engaging their body sending a message to their brain somehow it becomes okay to acknowledge it and then from that point you can start right. to voice it um there are seven primordial tones right and right. you mentioned that they correspond they correlate with the chakras which are the uh vedic yeah right they are to talk the, to that are the um, chakras come out of the Hindu tradition and um, have various placements in the body. They also correspond to the endocrine glands. So if you're just looking at this biologically, um, what they were intended to be is uh, prescriptive agents. The chakras, uh, you know, we get fixated on the sound of the chakras, the color of the chakras, etc. And we, as so human of us, we get so organized and wanting to manage and control this thing called the chakras. And um, we have as many chakras in our bodies as we have cells. That's over 300 billion. So these are vortices. And what we're doing with these tones is shaping specific areas so that you have um, influence of whatever is out of balance being restored to harmony and flow. So when I say I work with the chakras, it's because we, that's the easiest way to talk about this. 
Um, but then there's still work to be done to walk us back from getting stuck in the Hindu tradition of, of working with the chakras and really begin to looking at these as energy, as our body as an energy um, magnet, magnetizing the vortex of intention. Well, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of work to sort of prove the bioelectromagnetic, which is a huge word, bioelectromagnetic properties of the beating heart and the sort of frequencies that will oscillate can be picked up in waveforms. And again, that's crazy, I've, crazy I've stuff. This. We, are, we need to do this stuff, but it's, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. It's pulling us off the point. The point is to do it, feel it, live it experience it embody it there it is don't try to understand it experience it the the understanding comes through the experience so we're forever trying to measure frequencies but the measurements themselves are predicated upon westernized tuning and westernized meters and westernized graphs that are structurally not natural it's human it's man-made you know, ask Einstein. He says, knowledge is nothing. <laughs> you know, it's the energy that matters. It's, it's your experience that matters. He didn't quite say that, but I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> but Einstein. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see a lot of people needing to prove X, Y, and Z based on these mm -hmm. systems. And I think they are a distraction from actually because if I'm observing this system, I'm not in this system. Mm. You know, if I'm thinking about presence, I'm not present. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. all of that. All, all of these paradoxes. If I'm thinking about healing, I can't heal. Because How, the brain does not have a way to interface with the biology in the same way. Yeah, so none of this is going to make logical sense to anybody. Really, you just have to dig down, op loosen your jaw, open your mouth, and let whatever comes out, comes out and feel into feel it. it. So that's why the tonal architecture is important. So when we're making that root chakra sound, you want the jaw shaped in such a way that you drop the tongue into the back of your throat. You make the deepest, fullest, roundest, but not strange sound that you can feel vibrate in your um, perineum. Now, who can feel their perineum? Not most, uh -uh. Uh, I can't, you know, it's like I can visualize it, but I can't quite feel it. Um, but I have my anus, I can go there, or my tailbone, so I go there. So I'm in the general vicinity. So when I'm making this root chakra sound of, uh, or my jaw slid back, my tongue is dropped in the back of my throat and my neck fattens, uh, I can feel the full spectrum of vibration. And you feel it in that area of your body in, physically. In the area of my body where I'm sitting. When you bring your attention to that, you're amplifying that area. What I'm doing with the sound is magnetizing the energy in this particular area of all the cells that are holding muscle memory that may be creating pain down the line. And that's well, just one little segment, the muscle memory, because that's just physical. Then there are layer upon layer upon layer of energetics and harmonics, advanced harmonics. And, 
would is the research that you're currently involved in exploring some of these possibilities well, of yeah i mean it's it's the research i've done was to try to make real world parallels to an experience but at some point i have to get off that train because it won't take me there it'll just take me in a circle where i'm going is not definable we have no instrumentation to measure what i'm talking about yeah and our while we have the to capacity define. to sense it and feel it and to see it take shape in front of our eyes because we are transmitters of energy as well as receivers so when you change your interior vibration your frequency your octave you will have different outcomes so that's the real world sight line. It's like, I can see I'm doing better because my world is better. And that's where the, that's the true feedback. That's yeah. And you get it instantly. Depending on how much density you have in your body, mm. how much you fight with yourself saying, this is, this isn't real. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really hard to, to overcome the, it's almost like the uh the impulse or the inclination to define you know that that outcome or you can't actually make a choice or do anything until you have an idea of what you think it might look like because right, right. There's too much fear involved with yeah. with not knowing and 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 i yeah i can i can personally attest to uh feeling my butthole vibrate with sound yeah <laughs> but i can also personally attest to the ability for this um, modality to strengthen uh, my ability to communicate. For example, before coming onto this call, I was toning, and it, it, it changes all the time, but I will often experience a emotional result, like a, an emotional tone in certain parts and it changes all the time. Like today when I was sounding through the throat chakra, the ooh sound, and maybe it was because we were going into, you know, a conversation, I was going to be really relying on some truths and needing my voice, but you know, I, I felt it. I felt like the, the beginnings of what might've been a tear and you know, there's no real definition. It's not sadness. It's maybe it's happiness, but it's like my body isn't, an oscillating vessel of emotional and whatever energy and sound brings me there and gives me the ability to perceive it from the inside where there's right. no logical explanation, but that is what it is. I felt yes. the thing in my throat and I, um, yeah. And I felt human and I felt happy about being alive all right, of a sudden. I'm right. like, Oh, everything's mm -hmm. going to be okay. You bring up a good point. It's, it's also so important that one of the major side effects is the amount of confidence and self-trust because you're occupying that part of you, that part of you that has been off limits for a while, let's say your root chakra. You don't spend a lot of time, not you personally, but you know most people don't spend a lot of time in their lower quadrant of their body, which is mm -hmm. why we have knee issues or ankle issues or butt issues that's letting us know that we have to bring a little more loving into this area because we we're stagnant you never think about it other than yeah. when you 
when it's and, if, and when it does happen, when do, issues do come, don't blame yourself. It's not that you did something wrong and that you, you know, it's just, okay, now how do we unwrap the all, all of the aspects to look at, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical, because they're all tethered together. And, and then you get a full spectrum. Now you have awareness and you have an experience and you're moving into knowledge. You know how to apply yourself. Okay, based on A, I now know to go, go to B. That's mm -hmm. my next step, it's the next logical step. Not that that's coming into my brain, it's that that's the energy, that's the next thing to do. And would you Just say take that- Take my hand out of the fire. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not the result. B, that's the B, okay. Um, yeah, Are, would you say that through sound is, or sound is one of the ways to that we can sort of galvanize or pull in the mental, physical, spiritual aspects of ourselves totally. to totally. sort of one meeting point that we can uh, gain access to a deeper understanding of ourselves? Great question. Yeah, I think so. Um, because until you have a full experience of it physically, you can't, you, you can't um, uh, disseminate and break down the information that you're getting at, at other, other levels. Um, for, for instance, sound with pain. You know, sound can mitigate pain. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can begin to look at, uh, why do I have this pain? It's like I asked my body, why was I sick? And, um, you know, it told me it loud and clear, but I had to ask out loud. And for me, the loud and clear was because I, um, it was an easy way to say no. I didn't know how to leave my company. So getting sick, I could hide behind my disease and say, oh, I can't work. So I have, you know, to get well. Yeah. So once I said out loud, oh, I don't need to hide behind a disease to get to, to, to stop doing that. I can just say no. And something left my body. And I can't, to this day, I can't explain what that was. But the next RNA test I had for my doctor the following week, it was completely clear. And it happens all the time, Brian. It happens all the time. You ask, you get an answer. But the more tuned you are as an instrument, the more you work with sound, the more available you, you are to those biological and energetic feedback loop yeah. so that you get direct messages. I've been really into the notion of asking questions to myself, to my subconscious, to, you know, whatever, and, and feeling okay with not having needing the answer. And it, I just, the thought occurred to me that sound in a way is asking yourself an un open-ended question the right and question the right yeah the right question it's it's a harmonic question it's because it's opening you up plugging you in the universe already knows what you're asking you're just plugging into to slurp on the source <laughs> the title of this episode will be slurping on the source with Trish. <laughs> just so you know <laughs> this is the new normal and we're talking about a lot of weird stuff here and uh, well, not weird for some, but for those uninitiated into the world of, um, you know, unidentifiable means of self 
investigation, growth, awareness. Uh, all of this, I think, is needed to really help us make sense of the shifting times and the pace at which we are experiencing the changes. We need a whole nother paradigm to, to help us offset the way that the old paradigm is failing in front of us on a daily and basis. And we are it. We are it. It's like early on, I remember reading in my recovery from Emmett Fox, change your brain and keep it changed. Mm -hmm. Well, I took that to heart. You know, how do we change the brain? Sound. Mm -hmm. How do we keep it and maintain it in a way that supports our holistic self? Sound. Sound builds confidence. Sound builds spaciousness. Sound builds your spiritual awareness connects you to the core. Sound does all of the heavy lifting. Sound is And presence. back, you know, if we look into the history of our cultures, sound also did all the building. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, that's how Egyptians built the pyramids. Through sound. You can see it uh, in modern tests where sound levitates. Right. Yeah, I've... I've... Uh, hashtag cymatics or anything related yep, to the frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember getting really interested in that and learning about like the messages in water and how yeah. the vibratory properties of sound, those waves create shapes in the... Exactly. Well, and our bodies are 75 to 85% water. So you can imagine what your voice is doing for you. Yeah, and the voice... It's, it's the thing that is a signet, like you, you called it a signature. It's like a fingerprint. It's not, it, you can't, you can, people can mimic it, but nobody can replicate it. Right. And you can tell when you meet somebody in a sense, if you really listen and hear where they're constricted or hear how they might not. And, you know, and I think the for an actor as a tool, hesitation, yeah. it all comes up in the voice. And I, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's such an important thing to consider for yourself. But like, how am I speaking? How am I breathing? Where is there tension in my, anywhere in this center line that you mentioned the tongue earlier and that tongue being connected to the, you know, like the, it's all the fascia takes it all the way down to the right. gut. Right. It's that right. whole center line of our body is nerves and yeah. how our body literally encodes and, and decodes information. Yeah. Yeah, but this body is more than just your vehicle to get you from point A to point B and wear fine clothes, you know. Mm -hmm. It is an advanced instrument of high, high information, high frequencies. You know shit. You know a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, and you don't know that you don't know it, or you don't know that you know it. Right, right. You because of perception, because you were told you're dumb, because the culture had a certain measurement of what is right and good and, and attractive, not attractive, uh, you know, etc. All those measurements that we have as human beings. Mm -hmm. We just have to let that go and start over again and be you, yes. be the you you came to be. And that's what I'm. I'm certainly still in the process of uncovering it. You have uncovered it. I, uh, you know, if sound has any proof to its powers uh, as a longevity practice, Trish, mm. I met you when you were 44, the age I will be next year. I don't know. You haven't aged. 
in oh. 30 or 28 years. It's, wow. it's an incredible wow. thing to witness as a, as a friend, as wow. a, uh, you know, family of choice member. You're, my, you're part <laughs> right. of my family of choice. Um, right. Yeah, it's right. truly, it's, it's a remarkable thing to have been able to journey with you all these likewise, years. All likewise, likewise. And, and I feel that same evolution in you and others I've known over time um, because you're so willing to, to just dive, to go there, to give it a go, give it a whirl, give it a try. It's, it's the, there's massive payoffs that you're getting because you have uh, evolved in such a way that you are in your skin. You're, you, even though you are asking questions, you're asking the right questions because you're not done. You're here to learn. And if you're still here, we're still learning. So I won't be leaving the planet for very soon because I have a lot to learn. We, uh, I still have a lot to learn from you and I, I think the rest of the world does too. And yeah, we just need to start investigating our beingness through uh, sound. And one of the ways to do that through the primordial tones, through crystal bowls, through chanting, through toning, through humming, just engaging your unique signature in a way every day to open up your curiosity. And I think, like you said, you'll notice the changes as they come and it'll increase your desire to do it. I agree. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's, yeah. Is there anything that... that we have missed in, in, or is there anything that you want to really instill upon the, yeah, just anybody listening, the, I the think floor is yours. Part of the journey for me, because I was a consummate people pleaser, um, as an actor, as a mother, as a, you know, person, as a girlfriend, as a wife, la, la, la people pleasing was my game. And um, what's so refreshing now and what sound has given me is the capacity to have that not matter at all, mm. which has increased my capacity to be um, uh, of relevance because I've looked at people I've admired and they didn't care about how the world saw them. They just kept plodding along, writing their books, singing their songs. Hmm. And that's, that was the, I think the greatest learning is that I never, I don't need to please anybody. I don't need people to get this. Um, if you do, you're way ahead of the game. Understanding sound, you understand yourself. And when you understand yourself and your cell, you understand the universe. It's all there. It's all there. I am one who's curious. I want to look. I want to go there. I want to understand and unwrap these mystical codes as mind bending as they are. I want to know that because I want to understand how I'm wired. So I have some, I have a great desire to, to learn. Not everybody does and not everybody will be learning what, uh, what I'm learning, right. but uh, they will learn what uh, and be excited by the thing that, that turns them on. That's what this is about. What turns you on? What gets your, 
your hunger going and say, I've got to read more about this person or I've got to do more of this stuff. I've got to work out a little. I mean, I see this happening all the time with people who accidentally fall into a process or an, uh, a practice mm -hmm. and they end up mastering it. You know, is that the end of your mastery? No. I mean, writing a book was a, the scariest thing for me in the world mm -hmm. until uh, I just dove in with both feet, just made a commitment that I was going to do it. And within four months, it was done, or five months, it was done. So, um, for the most part. So, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's nobody's, my job isn't to convince you to do this. It's your job to do you. And if this uh, can enhance you doing you, which I happen to know that it does, great. You will be so, your mind will be blown at what is possible for you to imagine and then manifest. It happens oh. that fast. Yes, uh, I would encourage everybody to blow their own minds. And <laughs> one of the ways to do that is to talk, uh, investigate Trisha's work um, and your own sound and your own ability to uh, expand your awareness of what's possible for, for growth, for insight, uh, for just becoming for more present, for creation, for co-creation, for anything related to evolving uh, through the now. Um, yeah, Trish, I, I really have a lack of words uh, at this moment because you're one of the uh, most remarkable people that I know mm. and am mm. so happy to have been supported by you and to really just, I feel honored to be a part of your legacy and I will always champion your work and I share a version of it in everything that I do because I walk in on this planet inhabiting my body in a way that feels often and most of the time harmonious. And when I'm off balance, I know how to get back to it because of these tools that I've learned. So, you know, open your mouth, let it all out. Who cares how it looks? Who cares how it sounds? It is you doing you. And if you want to decode the mystery of yourself, one of the ways is to bypass your logical thinking mind and just start getting slurping the sauce <laughs> of the source <laughs> through sound <laughs> let's slurp the sauce of the source with sound thank you very much good night <laughs> wow well and i appreciate how that you're doing this show and that the thought you've put into it and the way your mind operates your brain really loves dissecting and understanding you are asking great questions and it's a, it's really a thrill to to see you and brian i see you i truly see you and you're an amazing being amazing. so Thank thanks you. for this opportunity of course it's uh it's a mutual honor really mm -hmm. really it is and um yeah i mean the quality of my life would not be what it is had i not learned what i take into practice from what you've been gifted with and have, you know, continue to share your gifts um, as they evolve, because as they've evolved yeah, with you, they've evolved 
with me and right. my understanding has, has changed and grown over the years. And um, there's, how, do you have time for another few minutes? Yeah, it's, it's quarter few, after uh, one. I have about 15 more minutes. I wanted to come clean with you because there's something that, uh, you, you know, you talked about being a different person years later. And um, I know uh, a couple of years ago, I had a bit of a, an identity crisis. And one of the things about having the voice and, and finding your own voice is being able to have real authentic conversations from the heart. Mm. And um, it's not that I just, the clearing is that um, I smoke pot now. <laughs> and I've been sort of reluctant to share any experience I've had in relation to uh, an addicted past or, or even how it's become, you know, uh, an, uh, an exploratory wellness thing or, or there's, there's no real like track or purpose for it other than uh, it happened and and it's always scary to just be like, um, mm. hey, you know, my sobriety, that guy that I was for 20 plus years in absolute honesty, um, you know, I still don't drink alcohol, but I had started to incorporate cannabis into, you know, uh, whatever practice. Yeah. And I felt a tinge of shame every time I would speak mm. to you because I felt like mm. I was holding a secret. And I don't, mm. it, it, it's, it's different. I'm different. The time is different, but the conversation that I have with myself in that feeling of holding back and not really fully like acknowledging that with the person I, one of the people whom I love and trust the most has gotten in the way of me really fully experiencing life in general. So I really wanted to just use this platform too as an opportunity to model, you know, or not, I might not even share this with the podcast, but to, to come clean and to really just, just speak those words and to tell you that part of the truth in my journey. And, and, you know, it's, it's unfolding in front of me, but it felt like a secret. Our secrets are what make us sick uh, that which we don't share with at least one other human being, as you know, is what uh, can start those conversations that uh, derail us from right. the moment and from the ability to really fully express uh, who we are and who yeah. we're becoming and who we want to become. And so with that bit of truth, Trish, I just, <laughs> I, I got it out of the way and I feel like you gave me permission to say oh. it even more when, when you were like, I'm a different person. I'm like, oh, she's going to hear this differently now than she would have <laughs> when, when I was 15, uh, yeah. even, even earlier in my 20s. I mean, I, I, I refrained from, you know, substance involvement in my life for 20 plus years. And, you know, and then I had an experience and it made me curious. And then I started to experiment and incorporate things as an adult version of myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've benefited as much as I've also sort of been wrestling with that part of me that can see how addiction plays a role in my life still to this day. It's, it's a behavioral thing. It's a mindset thing. It's a feeling thing. And I know when 
how it comes and goes and when I would lean on something other than what I know I'm capable of from the inside. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's really hard to, you know, to articulate, but I just, um, just needed to get it off my chest yeah, and right, speak well, my truth with you um, because yeah. you are the one who taught me how to speak those mm. truths. Mm. Well, you know, your journey is your journey and wherever it takes you, you know, is, is, you know, is the only thing that you're listening to, not how other people see you and have opinions about you and, you know, if something moves you and you want to explore it, there's something, some part of you that is calling that. And if if something in you keeps getting triggered, then that also is something talking to you. You know, if you feel reluctance or fear or whatever, you know, so just listen to it. It's just you're having a dialogue with yourself. Nobody's keeping score, only you. Mm-hmm. Only you. It, it's not nobody else's business i appreciate i'm sorry that you suffered with that but it's it's none of my business it it was a light suffering it was a light suffering and again uh uh sort of it's it's an illustration of how these conversations manifest Mm -hmm. in ourselves when we don't utilize the vehicle of our voice to share our truths with the, with you could say the world or even with just another. with with another human being <laughs> whom you love and trust um because yeah. the reality of it is that my health is intact my spirit is intact my you know yeah. my emotions are all there and i am having a conversation with myself on a regular basis but there you know like this there wasn't a, there was a conversation i wasn't having which felt like i was cutting off access to a part of me not it had nothing to do with you it had nothing to do with anybody else other than mm-hmm. the world that i'm creating for myself in my own <clears throat> right and, and yourself will tell you you know ask yourselves exactly you know it's like the story i told you about diabetes i told you that story i'm sure i've heard it i don't think we talked about it no hey. it just happens i didn't tell you oh well no this is no I, you yeah um you know, that was my response too. Uh, <clears throat> so I go for a, a blood test and the doctor says, oh my gosh, you have diabetes. And I said, you've got to be kidding. He said, no, it's right here. So you're going to have to stop eating carbs and sugar. So I go home and I read about the diet. And I think, okay, I, I commit. And then in the back of my head, I wonder, about a conversation I had in my body, with my body, hmm. saying, you know, I really would like to give up sugar. I just don't, you know, I, I, I can't do it right now, but if, it, if, it's gonna, if it's supposed to happen, something outside of me will dictate that. So I kind of joked about it and then but kept on doing my good diet. Hmm. I go back in the next week after she has had an insulin panel taken on me and come to find out it was a typo. So my body, the universe conspired to get me off of sugar because it was the right time, mm-hmm. sugar and carbs. Sure. I, had no, I had no withdrawal except when the first day I was a little tired. Mm-hmm. That was it. 
So it was my body saying, this is, we don't need these anymore. So I haven't had sugar since. Well, congratulations. That yeah. is, that's such an accomplishment. Sugar crackers and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, those, are, those are other things that show up uh, as addictive patterns in the way that right. we eat and consume whatever. Right. And it's, it's not good or right. bad. It's just no. kind of like it builds in the habit, machinery, repetition, because it's sugar so rewarding. It's so dang good. And the like, yeah. feel good things always come back to haunt us in a way if we're always, you know, we're seeking them out. To, if, and if we're not listening, you know, and we're not listening, it, you know, it's not bad for most. Tim, Tim, you know, Tim's diet. <laughs> yeah. My sweetheart eats three donuts in the morning. Fudge in the oh, afternoon and potatoes and gravy and you know beef in the <laughs> evening. So how do you do that? It's his body. It's his, yeah, it's his body. And, and his is none of my biz. Yeah. And maybe he'll, you know, the universe will conspire to give him a message if, if a change I, should he's be required. <laughs> There's no universe. It's nothing. He's got the plan. He's got it down. His life lesson is quality of life wherever he is. Oh. Well, donuts are quality, quality of, of life. <laughs> um, I couldn't agree with you more, Tim. So, donuts are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, but you could have purists say donuts are the most impure thing. You know, so forget about all others it's your body your relationship to your cells and you will know when your body says you know if you start feeling paranoid you know you've gone there yeah because that's what pot can do it it has a myriad of effects yeah so that, just be, be mindful you know yeah. but it's your body you will be the one checking the boxes at the end of your life yeah well, well, thank you for loving me through thank all of my, <laughs> all of thank my withheld, and, and it's like this is just you know me spinning out about like I'm a you know I'm afraid I'm like blah blah blah, but at the end of the day, you are correct, and the you know. I will either make a I will either have the awareness to make a conscious choice of when a change is necessary, or the universe will provide me the opportunity to, uh, assert because, as, I think we've always known and something that I learned early on. It's like, if, and when you're ready, if you aren't able to make that choice for yourself, especially when it comes to addiction, because those are the hardest patterns to get yourself out of, the universe can provide you with the opportunity and you don't want that. <laughs> Oftentimes, it's not yeah, always. Yeah, if, if, yeah, if, it's, if it's a detrimental habit, you could have something that really throws you off. But, yeah. you know, pay attention. It's nothing... You know, there's, there is no good or bad. There is no right or wrong. You're, you're supposed to live your life and figure you out along mm. the way. Well, I'm figuring day by day, moment by moment <laughs> yeah. sometimes. And yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you for, uh, you know, helping me learn a vocabulary with which to do that and to navigate yeah. this. And again, to anybody who hears this podcast, the vocabulary starts with sound. It starts with you acknowledging and accessing uh, your innate intelligence. And um, Trish, where can people find you and learn more and dive into what you, what you do? 
Well, I'm all over the place. Uh, I have CDs that are on Apple Music and Spotify and uh, all the music platforms. Um, my name spelling is kind of important, T-R-Y-S-H-E-D-H-E-V-N-E-Y. But then there's also my, my um, website, soundshifting.com. And, uh, and then I have a group, The Resounding Body, on facebook so people are always invited to join that join the conversation interact learn more Mm -hmm. um yeah and the internet is really bringing you know communities of people together who can really explore and share experience and i think it's it's a benefit it is a benefit to you to me to anybody who is willing to dive deep enough into their um you know wanting to deepen their own understanding Wow, oh, this has been a joy. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, Trish, I, this is this is so fulfilling. Uh, but awesome. your words, your wisdom are essential to my growth and anybody willing to dive into your work, I think will benefit in their own personal growth. And um, it's not, not that it matters because it's everybody's on their own journey. But if we can meet somewhere on the path, then yeah. uh, we're better off for it. Light so. and alone for everyone, right? Yeah. Trish, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And bless you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Over and out. Over and out. Don't forget, you can find and follow Trish and her work at soundshifting.com. She's on YouTube as Soundshifting. Join her Facebook group, The Resounding Body. And of course, Instagram at Trish Devney. T-R-Y-S-H-E-D-H-E-V-N-E-Y. I'll put all the links in the description for the episode because that's really hard to spell. In the spirit of awe and wonder, I invite you to expand your sonic vocabulary going beyond the linguistic templates to where the energy of emotion lives and find your unique vibrational expression in sound and presence. Thank you for being here. I wish you health, wealth, and love in abundance. Enjoy the moment. Peace out. As we finish up this conversation, I want to go back to the word resonant, which I used earlier to describe Trish. Resonance refers to the quality of a sound or vibration. It's a term used in physics and metaphysics to describe the excitable state of atoms, those things which we're all made up of, We don't see resonance, we experience it, hear it, or feel it. We say something resonates with us when it is in accordance with our values or beliefs. As the quality of our voice becomes more resonant and we begin to feel our own sound vibrations throughout our body and the shift towards health becomes tangible and actionable through our own understanding of the feeling sensations in the bodies we inhabit. Our interoception, inner awareness, becomes finely tuned to our feeling state as it oscillates between healthy and unhealthy thoughts, behaviors, actions. The more we tune into the frequency of our own unique signatures, vibrations, sounds, and what have you, we begin to move the needle of our lives in intentional ways in the directions we say we want to go. A key component to actively participating in our own conscious evolution and no longer living by default. We are always shifting if you think about it, adjusting to the randomness of day-to-day life, mentally, emotionally, physically, 
Sometimes we need to shift, but we can't. Feeling stuck in my feelings is a common unconscious practice that can and does really mess up my day and interferes with my relationships. But learning to engage with my voice and the breath that those sound vibrations travel on has had an enormous impact on the quality of my life and an effect on those around me. Getting unstuck can be as easy as sitting up straight, drawing a deep breath into your belly, relaxing your jaw, opening your mouth, and saying, all the way to the end of your breath. 